This is CliffCentral.com. Welcome to Opinion Booth and, of course, myself, Sonia Booth. Today is Mandela Day and Utata Madiba would have celebrated his 99th birthday. He is an icon and he is known the world over as the epitome of Ubuntu Botu humanity. It is for this reason that I decided on today's topic. I knew from the get-go that getting this inspirational couple into the studio would be near impossible. Dr. Judy Lamini is preparing for her exams tomorrow. Yes, you are never too old to learn. This is why I used her as an example in my book titled How to Reinvent Yourself and Stay Relevant. And that this season Asana was only available in the afternoon and this is when I wished I had an afternoon slot. I guess this is my way of expressing the difficulty of getting someone to come into the studio at this awkward hour. I say awkward because you would have started at the office in the morning and then you would have had to break up your day to come here into the studio. And then more than likely you would have to go back to the office because my show finishes at 12. It messes up with your normal routine per se. Uh, but anyway, uh, back to Dr. Judy and Dr. Sisu. Dr. Judy is the founder and executive chairman of the Mbekani Group, a qualified doctor, has an MBA, having majored in corporate finance, holds a doctorate in business leadership. She and her husband are the founders and trustees of Mkiwa Trust, a family public benefit organization with a focus in rural development and education. Ndada Sizwe is a qualified chartered accountant and he serves as chairman on various foundations and trusts. He is the founder and chairman of the National Education Collaboration Trust and also chairman of the NESFAS. He is now a social entrepreneur who recently founded Sufiso Learning Group, which is establishing private schools in South Africa and is also involved in EdTech academic publishing and real estate. Moreover, Ndate Sizwe has been conferred with honorary doctorates by the University of Forte, the Durban University of Technology, the University of Johannesburg, and Walter Sisulu University. As you can tell from their profiles, they have pretty hectic schedules and they show no signs of slowing down anytime soon. It is for this reason that I had to explore plan B. I tried to get them into the studio, but as I said, plan B had to happen. Take a listen at our interview and allow their wisdom to rub off on you. Dr. Judy. How can you compare your generation to the so-called born freeze millennials, for example? Are they bolder, more outspoken, more self-expressive? Born freeze have different challenges. Uh, one of our main challenges uh, was apartheid. Um, they might be uh, free politically, but uh, economically we're not free. And uh, they have uh, challenges of HIV AIDS, which uh, baby boomers didn't uh, experience as uh, youth, um, they have uh, so many other challenges. The drug issue is uh, such a problem. During our days, uh, it was almost darker, the only drug that was there, and now there are so many different uh, drugs that uh, they actually experience. 
supposed to. So they are bolder, yes. They are more outspoken, uh, more self-expressive, and uh, they actually, especially those that come from really uh, impoverished uh, parts of, of the country, uh, the challenge is just getting quality education uh, at all levels, especially access to tertiary education, uh, which is uh, actually quite important uh, for all uh, our youth, uh, especially if we are to be the country that we would love to be, an innovative uh, country, an innovative continent. Was there ever a time when you thought motherhood is tough? What did I get myself into? Were there times when you doubted your parenting skills? Of all the things that uh, I've had to do as a person, uh, there is nothing that's more important than being a mother. Uh, if I had to choose, uh, if I had to choose just one thing uh, that I would ask God to give me, it would be the privilege of being a mother. It's the most fulfilling thing. Uh, there is no template. Uh, there is no school where you teach. You are taught, sorry, um, how to be a mother, but it comes uh, intuitively. It's a natural instinct that uh, each one of us has, I believe. And uh, yeah, it's just uh, the best thing, the most fulfilling thing uh, of all the things that I've ever had to do. You are actively involved with Take a Girl Child to Work initiative. Have you ever encountered a girl that reminds you of you at that age? I'm quite passionate about the Take a Girl Child to Work, but uh, I think we should do as much for boys as we do for girls because we're starting to see uh, some misalignment in terms of uh, the passion uh, for education when it comes to boys and girls. If you just look at um, the undergrads and the junior and the honors degrees, uh, 60% of those that qualify are girls. Uh, I'm happy that girls are actually uh, showing up and uh, applying themselves, but uh, it's important that boys uh, actually are also encouraged. So I'm an advocate that we actually need a take a girl child to work as much as we need a take a boy child to work initiative. What is the title of the book you would pass on to your mentee and why? Um, I recently published a book called Equal But Different, which was a conversion of my thesis, my doctoral thesis, that looked at the intersection of race, gender, and uh, social class. And um, it was actually quite a beautiful journey, uh, the interviews that I conducted. A total of 20 women leaders from South Africa, the U.S., uh, and also Canada. And uh, across race, across social class, across different uh, industries uh, in the economy. And uh, for the book, I also interviewed uh, two leaders. Um, One is the deputy president of the country. And, um, yeah, I actually would pass that book on because the sole objective uh, of uh, writing that book was to just share the experiences uh, that I came across, share the life journeys uh, of those that have succeeded, and they actually believe that it will serve the purpose to inform, uh, to mentor, to inspire uh, both men and women and uh, people at different levels and leaders uh, in different uh, parts uh, or sectors uh, of society. You wrote a book on women leaders and leadership. 
Do you foresee a future where women earn the same as men? I ask this because women earn 27% less than men for the same job. Each one of us has a responsibility to ensure that there is equality in our lifetime. And by equality, I mean equality amongst the, between men and women, equality uh, regardless of the social class, equality across race, and uh, different sexual orientation, uh, different abilities. So it's actually important if we are to close the gap between the haves and the have-nots, and if we are to perform at our optimum as countries, it's important that there is equality. It's important that the playing field is uh, leveled. So, yeah, it's each and everyone's responsibility, uh, wherever you are, with whatever power or control you have, that you ensure that we do reach equality. Is there a person that you can look at and say, because of you, my life is better? Parents uh, meant a lot to me. Uh, Everything I am, I am because of uh, the impact they had in my life and the patience, the love and the investment they made in me. I'm grateful to my husband who's actually been my friend, childhood friend, my mentor and uh, just my pillar of strength. Uh, My daughter, my beautiful daughter whose work ethic, whose just ethic and the value system as a person I respect and uh, I rely on her so much to just tell me the truth. Uh, tell me the way it is, and my late uh, son, who was also one of my pillars. Uh, so my immediate family uh, is my world, uh, quite frankly. What is your biggest fear? I don't look at life in terms of fears. I look at life uh, every day as a gift, and uh, you just do your best and pray that uh, your best is good enough. Uh, so I, I refuse to be ruled by fear. Uh, some of my worst fears have come true, so um, it, it's better that I didn't have them in the first place because then I would have wasted a lot of time fearing something that I couldn't control. So, yeah, I'm just every day is just a gift from God, so that's what matters to me. What does contentment mean to you? Contentment, success. You know, my definition of success has changed over the years and uh, what I have to say today uh, might be different 10 years from now. Um, What I feel now is that you consider yourself successful if you believe that you are living your purpose and I would have uh, had a a different answer 10, 20 years ago I would have thought of financial independence as success, uh, being happy. But uh, today I believe it's living your purpose where you believe you're actually doing the best you could for yourself, you're doing the best you could for your family, and uh, you're going beyond your family, your extended family, but uh, to communities that need your assistance, whether it's financial, whether it's advice, Whatever it is, with whatever you have, uh, you feel that you are reaching out. So, yeah, success for me is believing that uh, you are living the purpose you were placed on earth to live. In my opinion, there is no better legacy than building schools. Please tell me about the moment when you thought, that's it. Future nation schools has to come to fruition yesterday. In my view, your legacy is the lives you touch every day. 
uh, it doesn't have to be something huge that uh, people look at and say that is what she or he did. But uh, it's just each life that you touch every day, every positive impact that you have, uh, it might be just advice to someone or someone just watching your life and believing that it can be done, whatever it is that they aspire to do and they believe that you've done it well. So to me, that is your legacy. Uh, the education that my family uh, and I uh, actually uh, started uh, and my husband is leading uh, the Sufiso Learning Group and Future Nation Schools uh, is only one way of making a difference uh, to the generations that will come after us uh, and also just uh, having um, a, a contribution uh, to quality education that is relevant, quality education that will actually make us innovative uh, as Africans in the continent. What is the one thing you've said to yourself, I cannot die before achieving this? Or I cannot die before experiencing this. I take every day at a time. I've had many dreams. I started dreaming uh, from the age of four. And um, I think as long as you live, you actually, when you achieve the dream, you actually have another dream. And when you achieve that, you then look for something else. And, uh, and so it goes on. So if I didn't wake up tomorrow, uh, I'd just be happy that uh, God gave me the life that he did. And, uh, and the family that he gave me. So, yeah, I, I don't have regrets. And uh, not because everything has been perfect. I've had a lot of challenges. I've made mistakes. But I'm comfortable with the fact that it was meant to be. And every day is a gift. What would you like written on your tombstone? What would I like written on my tombstone? Hmm. That I was true to myself. And to those that I loved and those that loved me back, uh, I always tried uh, my best and uh, I live my life with integrity. And for me, that's the most important thing. What is your favorite Madiba quote? It's difficult to think of Utatu Madiba or Nelson Mandela without thinking of Umamuwini Madikizela Mandela. Um, the, the pain that she went through all her life and the, the way she kept the Mandela name alive, the way she actually kept the struggle and uh, ensured that she was the social worker that she was, not only by qualification, but at heart. Uh, there are certain, uh, there are two quotations from Umamo Winnie that uh, uh, always just put a perspective to what she has gone through and what she meant uh, to the Mandela name and to the country. Uh, one of them is, I quote, I'm the product of the masses of my country and the product of my enemy, end quote. The other one, which always leaves me um, wounded, if you like, uh, because it's painful fact, but uh, this is what she had to go through. Uh, the quote goes, uh, open quote, the years of imprisonment hardened me. Perhaps if you have been Given a moment to hold back and wait for the next blow, your emotions wouldn't be blunted as they have been in my case. When it happens every day of your life, when that pain becomes a way of life, I no longer have the emotion of fear. There is no longer anything I can fear. There is nothing the government has not done to me. There isn't any pain 
I haven't known. End quote. So, in my view, as we celebrate uh, our giant, Uta uh, to Nelson Mandela, let us not forget uh, our other giant, Umama Uini Mandela. She went through a lot for the liberation of this country, uh, and we need to celebrate her. Wisdom, indeed, and um, I, I agree with Dr. Judy. You know, often we um, celebrate Udata Madiba, um, easily forgetting uh, the, the efforts and what um, Mama Madikizela Mandela also had to endure. Um, an incredible, incredible woman, indeed. Next up, you will hear my conversation with Ndate Sizwe. Ndate Sizwe Masana. How can you compare your generation to the so-called born freeze millennials? For example, are they bolder, more outspoken, more self-expressive? You ask a very interesting question how the born freeze or millennials are different or how they compare, for instance, to the baby boomer generation, which I belong to. Uh, the baby boomer generation you know, was a generation which uh, worked really hard, uh, especially you know post-war from the 1950s uh, thereafter. Uh, and we were a generation that typically uh, stuck to one job, so a lot of people would have worked in one industry from the time that they finished school or university until they retire, uh, So, it's, which is very different from the current generation where you see a lot of young people the so-called slash generation, in other words, someone may be working in an office, maybe in a finance department, but after hours, uh, they're involved in social media, they may be a DJ, they may involve, be involved in the arts, and so on. Uh, so it's an environment which is very different today, obviously influenced very largely by technology and social media, but at the same time, it is an... Was there ever a time when you thought, fatherhood is tough, what did I get myself into? Were there times when you doubted your parenting skills? As a father, you know, were there times when I had doubted or had any doubts about my parenting skills? I've always tried to be the best father that I could be to uh, my children. You know, at the moment I have uh, two uh, young daughters who are both uh, professionals uh, and our late son who departed about five years ago. Uh, so, you know, I've always tried to make sure that, you know, I was the best father that I could be by just providing them guidance, being friends to my children, being open about uh, discussions and conversations about life generally, was providing guidance. But also must realize that children are their own people. In other words, you know, they have their own beliefs and they have their own characters and so on. Uh, and all you can do as a parent is to try and imbue those set of values of respect, uh, of you know, integrity, of making sure that they understand that they don't live in an island, they live with other people. And, but at the same time, uh, understand that they can be the best that they can be. Did your parents ever say to you, Caesar, you can forget whatever lessons we've taught you, but promise you will never forget this? I was very fortunate as a young person to grow in a family that really respected family values, those values that have stood me uh, until today that I live by. Uh, and if, when you look at just especially my mother, you know, she was a very strong Zulu woman uh, who made sure that uh, she did the best for her children, especially when it comes to education, but also uh, liberating us in the process. So from a very young age, there were certain rituals that our family did. Uh, for instance, you know, my mother at the age of about seven or eight uh, would make sure that she was sent to town on your own 
and go ahead and do some chores because this is about uh, making sure that uh, you were ready for the world, you could navigate the world. And that's why most of us as siblings, for instance, would have gone to boarding school when we were in high school uh, because that prepared you for independence, for navigating the world and making sure that you could make decisions and take responsibility for those decisions by yourself. Please tell me about the person that believed in you and your potential as a young man. A person you can look at and say, because of you, my life and career is better. If you're a parent, and in fact it doesn't matter whether it's your own children or not, and because you could be an aunt, you could be an uncle to someone, it is absolutely important to imbue a sense of responsibility to young people that we mentor. We're all mentors in one one way or the other. And just for me, uh, one of the things that happened in my very young life was that, you know, my father was a school teacher and my mother was a nurse, uh, imbued this sense of responsibility in us as young children. And and, uh, one of the things that, for instance, our parents did was to uh, sort of tell us at a very young age that we could be anything that we wanted to become. Uh, That's why even today, you know, I have not stayed in one industry. I've been in accounting and auditing. After that, I was in telecoms. I was in banking. And I'm now in education because all of us, I guess, given what we get told as young people, can navigate the world, especially the world which is dynamic, which is changing, and make a contribution to that. What is the title of the book you would pass on to your mentee and why? One question, uh, if I had to give a book to a mentee, what would be the title of the book? I think the title of the book would be The Road Less Troubled. And, you know, I take this from a poem by Kit McCullum, uh, which says, you know, sometimes the most difficult choices are the very ones that can bring us the greatest rewards. What I really like about this poem, uh, The Road Less Troubled, is that, you know, it talks about the fact that all of us have different stories and experiences. And very often, when we are at a crossroads and we are faced with a decision, particularly a difficult decision, uh, the urge is sometimes to take the most comfortable path, uh, the road with the least resistance and the shortest and you know, most troubled route. Whereas maybe we should ponder and reflect on our experiences and actually take uh, the most difficult decisions because very often the most difficult decisions may open new pathways, may you know, open new possibilities for us. And sometimes, uh, you know, we all want to just do the ordinary. We all just want to be like the next person, whereas we could be extraordinary. And we are all destined for greatness. And depending on how we think about things and how we pursue our own dreams. What is your biggest fear? What is my biggest fear? Well, actually, my biggest fear is the fear of failure. I've actually failed a couple of times. For instance, you know, I failed my CA exam uh, to become a qualified chartered accountant a couple of times. I've had some businesses that have failed. Uh, but, you know, it's not so much about the failure as such, but it is about how one pulls oneself up by their bootstraps and, and actually how you rise up after you have uh, tripped and fallen down. Uh, so, But, you know, every day I wake up and I do what I do, especially now in the education space, because, you know, I want to succeed. I want others to succeed. Uh, at least to make a small contribution in making the world a better place than what I found. What does contentment mean to you? What does success mean to you? What does success mean to me? Uh, success to me means, uh, one, you've got a dream 
And if you are able to achieve your dreams, no matter what they are, uh, that is success. Uh, this is about pursuing your goals and just going for it. And, and in spite of everything that may come your way, uh, being able to stand back and say, you know, I did it. I did it despite, uh, in spite of all the problems and the challenges that I face. And all of us have that within us. In my opinion, there is no better legacy than building schools. Please tell me about the moment when you thought, that's it. Future Nation Schools has to come to fruition yesterday. The objective of Future Nation Schools is to prepare our students for the 21st century, or what I would call the fourth industrial revolution. One of the things that we focus on is to make sure that uh, we build resilience in our students, uh, that they are exposed to technology, uh, that they are also very grounded in who they are. In other words, you know, we teach African studies, we teach coding, uh, we teach entrepreneurship and leadership, which are all important uh, because, you know, today uh, the environment is very different. It doesn't only require students to understand their academic content, but also uh, it is important for students to be prepared for what is going to happen in their lives because, as we know, the life is very different today than it was uh, in the olden days. You are chairman of the NESFAS. In your opinion, is free quality education feasible? As the chairman of the National Student Financial Aid Scheme, uh, you asked the question, uh, is uh, free quality education feasible? I think free quality education is feasible, especially for the poor. And already, uh, as chairman of the Ministerial Trust Team, that's looking at how we can make it possible for poor or students that come from humble backgrounds or working class backgrounds to receive good quality higher education, uh, but, you know, that is fully subsidized. Uh, we've been able to come up with a concept. It's now being piloted at seven universities uh, that demonstrate that it is possible, uh, just given the resources that are available from both the public sector and the private sector, uh, to provide not only financial assistance, but also support to students to make sure that they are set up to succeed, uh, that they improve improve their employability. In other words, the ability to participate in the economy when they finish and graduate. As gloomy as this sounds, what would you like written on your tombstone? What would I like to be written on my tombstone? Um, well, that's a very interesting question. Uh, you know, for me, it, it really would be uh, I really played my role and I lived my life as best as I could, uh, whilst at the same time I cared for for others. Uh, and I always try and do that. But, you know, I guess it will be up to the people who remain uh, to decide what they put on my tombstone. What is your favorite Madiba quote? My most favorite uh, quote from Madiba is the one that says, it always seems impossible until it's done. I think it captures thus the essence of life that, you know, very often uh, there are a lot of things that may seem difficult, may seem impossible even, uh, but if we just set our minds and our energies to accomplish those things, they can actually be done. And I really believe uh, that, you know, that is about life. It is about how we should be looking at life and how we should be pursuing our dreams to achieve whatever, whatever it is that we want to achieve. 
one thing that is clear after listening to Dr. Judy and Dr. Siswe is that family is the most important thing in their lives. Their attitude to selfless giving and contribution in society is tremendous. Moreover, they epitomize and reflect the notion of Ubuntu, Botu, humanity. Giving back goes beyond handouts. The aim is to inspire others, instill a sense of self-sustenance, give hope, and to encourage positive thinking. There are many phenomenal men and women that understand and value the importance of giving back. I came across a tweet this morning um, from the Twitter handle Anne Knowledge, and they tweeted, Roger Federer has spent $13.5 million to build 81 preschools in Malawi. This was followed by these comments, quote, Show me one African who would do this, end quote. Well, let me tell you about a few Africans doing extraordinary things. Strive Masiwa, who is executive chairman of Econnect uh, Wireless, is one of Africa's most generous philanthropists. His charitable foundation, the Kapenum Trust, which he runs in partnership with his wife, pays the school fees of over 22,000 Zimbabwean orphans. Mama Grasa Michelle is a founding member of The Elders. She works to improve the lives of children, placing orphans in village homes, studying the impact of armed conflict on children, and helping to rehabilitate children back into families. She has received a humanitarian award from Interaction and an award from K for her philanthropic work. Mo Ibrahim, who is Sudanese, I believe, is involved in helping the African continent by investing in various businesses and engaging in philanthropy. He established the Mo Ibrahim Foundation in 2007 to promote good governance. It resolves to grant the amount of 5 million US dollars to heads of state in the continent who have been deemed worthy of the Mo Ibrahim Prize for Achievement in African Leadership. Another comment read, where is millionaire Bushiri? <laughs> I think this person was referring to Prophet Bushiri, who is from Malawi. Now, that is a good question indeed, considering that Prophet Bushiri is infamous for opulence and extravagance. Just Google his name and then you'll understand why I'm making such a comment. Oprah Winfrey has donated millions of dollars to various charities and organizations, with most of her money going to three foundations, the first one being the Angel Network, which benefits the Oprah Winfrey Leadership Academy for Girls in South Africa. The second one is the Oprah Winfrey Foundation, and the third being the Oprah Winfrey Operating Foundation. 
Melinda Gates, who co-chairs Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, um, her investments in programs promoting maternal and child health has opened countless doors for advocates working across the globe in this arena. She has invested billions of dollars into promoting women's reproductive health through the foundation. But then, of course, you know, giving or giving back um, or philanthropy, you know, a lot of people make a mistake of thinking that, you know, um, giving back is all about, um, you know, monetary uh, uh, funds or monetary trusts or, you know, giving out, uh, dishing out money to uh, whatever cause that you, that you, um, uh, you know, feel that the the mandates and uh, the agendas that they're pushing that's not the only way fact is even an hour uh, of your time at uh, a local library if you if you have the time which i'm sure you know all of us do have i mean 67 minutes is all that is asked of you today on on mandela day but the foundation i was listening um this morning to an interview that um one of the organizers for today from the nelson mandela foundation um they were sending out the message out there that you know it's not only today that people have to consider giving out their time or you know uh, donating funds where needed or giving out a helping hand where it's needed. For example, go to your local library on a Saturday morning and if you find kids there who have, you know, uh, uh, struggles with uh, reading, you you can pick out a book and gather a few kids around you and and read for them. So, you know, making the excuse that you cannot give because you don't have money or you cannot give because you, you know, the word philanthropy is beyond you or you feel that you can only give if you have millions of rands, millions of dollars or billions of 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 uh, dollars it's not it's not about money time actually at the end of the day is is really what the other person just could be needing from you allow me to share this indian cree prophecy only after the last tree has been cut down only after the last river has been poisoned only after the last fish has been caught only then will you find that money cannot be eaten? Now, my question to you is, how are you going to spend your Mandela Day today? It is an international day um, after all. What will your 67-minute contribution be? I did my last bit Friday, and as we all know, every bit counts. We were at the Senton Convention Center. We were invited by a, a big uh, corporate uh, company. I was with the likes of uh, uh, Jennifer Bala. I was with uh, Lucas Khadebe, and my husband was there as well. And we we spent a good two hours packing um, food parcels. You know, you you had various um, stations. I mean, it, it is properly run. It is run like uh, you know. A, a factory like you, you won't believe also uh, you know various uh, uh, corporates and organizations um, had different time slots from the morning the entire day on on Friday and what we did was that each each station had you know w- one particular station I know where my husband was situated he would pour a, a cup full of, of rice into this um, clear plastic bag and then on to the next person uh, for a, a cup full of lentils and then the other uh, person would be filling in a cup full of uh, beans and then the other person um, a cup full of um, savory mince and then 
it would come to me and then we need to seal this. And then the next person in this case, uh, was Lucas Hadebe. He, he, he would put in the, the instructions, you know, he would, he would paste, um, the instructions onto the pocket and then it goes on in, into, into the box. And, um, I'm not sure of the numbers of how many of these, uh, meal packs that we, that we packed, but, um, I'm of the belief that those meal packs, the boxes that we ended up, uh, packing per station, millions and millions of kids are going to be fed and it, it's it's a, it's a beautiful thing you know it's 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 not a lot giving up 2 hours of your time compared to you know what the likes of Utada Madiba had to had to endure the number of years that he spent in 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 prison you know in incarceration the two hours that you spend or the 60 minutes, uh, 67 minutes that you spend is nothing compared to, you know, what, what, you know, the, the long walk to freedom as, as, as it's called as one of the titles of Dada Madiba's books, um, was on about is that, you know, it's, it's the least you can do and you cannot complain. I mean, 67 minutes is just over an hour, really, you know, so. And now I need to give my heartfelt gratitude to you, Dr. Judy. And that is your time and efforts are highly appreciated. I don't need to wish you luck for your exam, for your exam tomorrow, Dr. Judy, because I know that you're going to, to, to ace it. My humble opinion. One thing is for sure. You create a legacy either way. Your actions and inactions are your legacy. And President Jacob Zuma has a legacy. Former President Tabombeki has a legacy. You do good, that's your legacy. You do bad, that's your legacy. Legacy is what people will say about you at your memorial or burial. What legacy are you creating? Are you going to leave an indelible mark? Ask yourself, how will I be remembered? You know, over the weekend, I came across a newspaper article by Priga Gavinder, and it states more than half a million South African children are not going to school. Nine percent of them because they feel education is a waste of time. Now, I'm touching on this because one cannot talk about creating a legacy without mentioning education. And I just thought I should, you know, just read out a paragraph from um, this article uh, because it is something that, you know, we all need to have a conversation about. It is something that everybody who's passionate about education has to think about and has to be aware of. The report said, as a society, it is concerning that there was quite a high proportion of out-of-school learners who stated that the reason for not attending school is because they regard education as being useless. You heard that right. I mean, this is concerning not only as a mother, but as somebody who's also concerned about the state of education in this country. This is a crisis of humongous proportions. 
something needs to be done about this. Can we get this conversation going? Can pressure be put onto the right departments, the education department, the department of, you know, a basic education? Let's get our house in order. Come on. Aspire to inspire before you expire. This is CliffCentral.com.